Today we're going to talk about an eye-opening study that we've started regarding leadership. What makes a good leader? The answer we found may not be one you typically think of. You're going to want to stick around. This is Shadoof. Welcome to Shadoof. It's time to stop the song and start the show. Welcome to the Shadoof podcast. I am your host, Weston Smith, here with Professor Dustin Harding, PhD, and our fellow research scientist, Lauren Silva. We are so excited to be here today. We've been catching up on our, our Easter's. I hope everyone had a good Easter. We were talking about this because Dustin has a, a post on LinkedIn that's been getting a lot of, uh, a lot of traction. Oh, it's just some traction you know but a lot no it's huge guys it's blowing it's, it's up it's this uh it's like whoa <laughs> well it's for for easter i'm sure a lot of you have seen the collaboration between pepsi and peeps as some people like to call unfortunately not the companies but other people are calling peepsy 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 i hate it i don't like that it makes me uncomfortable it does <laughs> it's a marshmallow flavored pepsi small can in the typical peep box. Okay. So anyway, a lot of people are like, why would you ever do that? I, I would find that disgusting. I'm, I'm intrigued. I would try it. I would try uh, it. I prefer my marshmallows to stay like in their marshmallow form. <laughs> There's some people, <laughs> apparently with these peepsies, there was a, a sweepstake and some people were like, I didn't get this, the sweepstake. So they just poured in a glass of Pepsi and threw a peep. <laughs> just kept floating in. <laughs> but I hate peeps. So peeps are disgusting. I like peeps. I remember in you like high school. And- I like them too. I really like peeps. I don't know what it is. I'm going to get a little vulnerable here with peeps in my childhood. Guys, well, opening high up. School. This is raw. High school, okay? This is raw, Dustin. <laughs> this is high school. And it's like summerish, I think. Okay. I get in my car. And uh, and I start digging around, and uh, open up the glove box, and there's some peeps from Halloween. Mm. Did I eat them? Even though it was months later and they were dry, yes, I did. Yeah, oh, but I would argue that dry peeps are way better than regular peeps. I love dried marshmallows because that's, like, that's the only time they're edible. Like wait, other than that, wait. it's just like you just, purposefully yeah dry them out. You dry them out. Dried marshmallows, guys. <laughs> Well, I don't think we have time for any studies or anything. I think that that about (laughs) does it for our time. So, no, let's get to uh, what we're talking about today because some of our studies become like a one-off. Oh, that's interesting. That's fun. Maybe it'll turn into something bigger later on. We'll wait and see. But this topic today is something that has really interesting implications that we are really excited about exploring. Yeah. So go ahead and tell us what it is, Dustin. Okay, so the topic of the day kind of centers on a prevailing theme that we see in a few of our episodes. It centers around the power of social comparison. Right, we've talked about that in some of our other studies. Yeah, so in our first couple of episodes, the selling them on renting, Mm. um, recognition for the common good, and fluency of influence. Those were our first three podcast episodes. We're all kind of focusing on that social comparison theme. Yeah, and how social comparison impacts our daily lives in Mm -hmm. different ways, right? right? On the products that we purchase, who we listen to, and the effectiveness of employee recognition, you know? Right. Yeah. So what we're talking about today is we're bringing that to leadership and how social comparison um, impacts leadership. Oh, and this is hugely relevant. Like how much leadership training material is out there from books to webinars to, Mm. you know, all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. 
there's so much out there that this pertains to, and this is new stuff that we're discovering. Yeah. Yeah. We, we almost build up leaders and put them on a pedestal. Like they're these perfect, infallible leaders. And sometimes that's not always the case. And it's interesting to talk about it because like you said, it, it, we put them up on this pedestal and then I think it demotivates a lot of people who think like, I'm, I'm never going to get there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. As leaders, we feel like we can't be vulnerable, right? right? It's kind of like a Brene Brown thing that she mentions that that it's important for leaders to be vulnerable. But but there's still in society this feeling and, and in practice that as a leader, I have to be perfect in a way. I can't show my weaknesses. I just have to be this stalwart, uh, amazing person at all times. Mm -hmm. I feel like we see that a lot too, especially for like female leaders in businesses. Ah, right. Like if you show any sign of weakness or vulnerability, like your employees won't listen to you or follow you kind of thing. Yeah. Which therein lies the problem because mm -hmm. it's like, if you create this expectation, yeah. then you're not going to have as many people wanting to strive to attain that level of perfection. Yeah. When we need more of that and we need more female leaders, we need people who are are innovative, but are being held back by their own feelings of inadequacy. Yeah. And so the question that the studies that we've been running um, that they, it really gets at is what happens if a leader has weaknesses and talks about these weaknesses openly and how that impacts the employee's perception of that leader um, their loyalty to that leader, how long they want to remain in the company, and their perceptions of what type of leader that person is. So we're looking to discover this. So Lauren's going to go through the study design, how it was all set up. Yeah, so all the participants, they were sorted in two different groups. But first, they all read this first scenario, and it said, Imagine you are an employee at Hawk Management working in sales and client management. You're in a company meeting at work, and the CEO is addressing everyone regarding the lack of motivation since the pandemic. He says the following, and that's where we break off. Okay, so everyone everyone reads that. Both groups read this. Yes. Uh, side note, Hawk Management is not a real company. It's just a made-up one. Yeah, so after that, the first group read this almost more bragging scenario, not as vulnerable. So this is um, a leader. This is, this is strong leader. Yeah, strong leader. It's the CEO. They're imagining they're the CEO of the company's talking to them. So, you know, like okay. strong figurehead, not being seen as, as vulnerable. He says, although the pandemic has been a motivation killer for many, I found that consistently improving my body through exercise and my mind through books helped me conquer the demotivation trend. I am more motivated than I have ever been. If anyone here has been struggling with motivation, invigorating your mind and body could help you turn things around. Okay. So it sounds a little bit braggy, but yeah. it sounds nice. It's like good it's advice, nice. yeah. right? They're trying to help. Right. Right. Yeah. So the second group, this is what they read. I'll be honest. The pandemic has been a motivation killer for me. However, I recently found that consistently improving my body through exercise and my mind through books helps me conquer the demotivation trend. I am now more motivated than I have ever been. If anyone here is like me and has been struggling with motivation, invigorating your mind and body could help you turn things around. Okay, so it's the same advice. Yeah. Yep. But he says that he struggled with it, and this is the solution that he's found. Yeah. Whereas in the yeah. other one, he's just like, hey, this will help. Yeah. Right? The, the only difference, they're both giving advice. The only difference is for the weakness group, this CEO did struggle with motivation. And in the other condition, the CEO never struggled. Never struggled because he had the answer. Yeah. 
Yeah. And also in the second one, it's like phrases like, you know, I'll be honest with you. He's, he's coming down to the employee's level more so. It's not like, oh, I'm up here on my CEO pedestal and you guys are down here as employees. It's like, no, I'm like you guys. I've also struggled. Like, if you're like me, I feel like that's kind of also the main difference. Sure. So this CEO that has weaknesses and is vulnerable, right, and shows that vulnerability. Volunteers it to volunteers it to his employees. So participants, after taking this survey, they found those that read the scenario for that leader found that person to be more relatable. Okay. Right? And they found that that person was, uh, was more likely to see them as a person instead of an employee. And also as a colleague instead of a subordinate. So this is coming from questions that you asked yeah. afterward. Yeah. One of the other things that was interesting is we asked whether they thought that this uh, CEO was more of a servant leader who focuses on how they can serve employees or a power leader who focuses on establishing their power over employees. And they, okay. They found that this leader that really was more authentic was more of a servant leader okay. than, than otherwise. But the cool thing is, so obviously this impacts their perceptions of this leader, but also it impacted their loyalty toward the company. One question that I really love that measures loyalty is how you ask them, how long do you think you'll stay at this company? Okay. And we found that by being vulnerable, that leader increased increased the amount of time employees wanted to stay there by 28%. Wow. That's huge because turnaround is such a big issue for corporations, right? Yeah. So to sum up that study, we found that being vulnerable made people feel like you were a better leader overall, that you were more relatable, that you would see them more as a person, and that impacted how long they wanted to stay with the company. Now, that's amazing in and of itself. It kind of counters practice. But this next study that extends it a bit is really telling it as to maybe why it's counter practice. Right. I'm guessing that all of us and most of our listeners would think like, well, yeah, clearly the guy that says, hey, I'll be honest with you, I've struggled with this also, and here's some tips to help. That's clearly who I'd feel more connected to and feel more loyal if they're the leader of the company. So I guess this just makes me ask the question right off is why is this not happening? Yeah. Right? Like how many of us have worked in a place where we feel like the CEO is super disconnected and anything, any tip or advice, like they feel like they have to present themselves in like the most polished, self-aggrandizing, super self-promoting and that they have all the answers and they don't show any weakness. And then you feel like they're super insincere, like, like everyone, like that's, Mm -hmm. everyone's had someone like that. And I'm sure people have had good leaders, you know, and, and, and have seen good examples of this, but more often than not, we get braggy braggerton, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think obviously we see from this study and it's becoming more widely known that we want authentic leaders, but that's just looking upward, right? We want to look to leaders that fit that type of description. But if you switch that perspective, if you are the leader and you're looking at your subordinates, is weakness a good thing? An employee of yours that is open about their weakness, is that going to have the same effect? Are you going to be more likely to promote that employee? Are you going to want to stay in a company where you have employees that talk about this? Or are you going to want to leave? Does that same effect exist when you're looking down the ladder instead of up the ladder. I'm guessing this leads to another study, right? (laughs) For sure it does. (laughs) We ran another study, which was uh, 
very much the same type of thing. The leader is no longer a CEO because we wanted to look at whether or not the employees would want that leader to be promoted, um, to get raises, things like that. So we dropped down the title of the leader. But what we did now is we expanded the study a bit. So half of the participants, they had very, very similar scenario as last time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Half of them saw a leader that said that they lacked motivation. The other half saw a leader that said they never lacked motivation during the pandemic. But then for the other half of this group, we swapped the perspective. So now they're talking to an employee about um, just in general, the lack of motivation in the company. Yeah. So what we did is we split it up looking at whether or not the participant thought that they were a subordinate or they were the manager in the situation. Okay. So some were put in the place of the subordinate. Some were put in the position of the leader. Yes. Okay. Yep, exactly. And so we gave them two different scenarios. So if they were the subordinate, they read this. Um, it said, imagine you're an employee at Hawk Management working in sales and client management. You're in the process of meeting with your supervisor for your quarterly performance review. During the interview, your supervisor asks how your motivation has been, especially since the pandemic. Your supervisor then states, and then it will go on into those scenarios we had in the first one, the one that was more structured, not really lacking motivation, and the other one who was like, you know, I'll be honest, I did lack motivation as well. Okay. Um, and so then if you got the role of the manager, this is what you read. It said, imagine you're a supervisor at Hawk Management working in sales and client management. You're in the process of conducting quarterly performance reviews with employees you oversee. During those interviews, you are checking in on everyone's motivation, especially since the pandemic. In one of these reviews, the employee states, and then it goes into those two categories. So all the participants were first split into two groups, whether they were the subordinate or the manager. And then after that, they were then again split into the groups of whether or not they were seeing the more like structured strong leader or the more vulnerable leader. So so it gets a little bit tricky. So essentially, we're splitting into four groups. Yes. You have some participants in the role of a leader, some participants in the role of a subordinate. Yeah. And then the person that they're talking to is their subordinate or their leader. Yes. And then you have the two different, like, confident, like, I have no problems doing anything kind of person. Yeah. And then the other group sees the their leader or subordinate who expresses, like, oh, yeah, I've kind of dealt with some issues, but this is how I've overcome them. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So what's interesting with this when we look at the results. So first of all, when we look at perceptions of leadership, you know, whether they were a servant leader or would see the people that they would lead as, as a person. Because we even asked, like, if the participant was taking on the role as an employee, what type of leader they thought that their subordinate would be, okay? And in all cases, they typically saw that this person that had these weaknesses and, and displayed these weaknesses was going to be a better servant leader, that they would see the people that they lead as more of a person, things like that. Those still carried on, okay. right? Mm-hmm. But where it gets a little tricky is when we look at the actions that the participants would take. So first of all, one of the main measures that we grabbed in the previous study was how long they wanted to stay in the company. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in these scenarios, when the participant was taking the role of the subordinate, their leader was either displaying weakness or not. We got the same effect. So it increased their willingness to stay at the company when their leader was vulnerable. Was vulnerable, it increased their loyalty. But the interesting thing is we get the exact opposite when the participant is the leader and they're looking at the subordinate. Really? In In that case, if their subordinate displays weakness and is open about the weakness, 
it decreased the the leader's willingness to stay at the company. They didn't want to be at a company where their employee would display weakness. Wow. That's crazy. Okay, so even though they're in the managing position, it makes them less likely to, to continue on with the company. Yeah, I mean, of course, who would want to be a leader in a company where their employees have weaknesses? I mean, for crying out loud. <laughs> that seems so contradictory to a role as a leader. Like, you should expect, to me, you should expect that your employees might be dealing with stuff that should come with the leadership position and title. You would think. <laughs> right. We also had some, some new measures. For instance, one of the questions that was really exciting uh, for me was we asked um, if this person was to receive a raise, by what percentage should their raise be, right? Um, Lauren, you want to talk about those findings? Yeah. So in that question, that measure, when the participant was the leader and they were looking to give a raise to subordinates, there wasn't really an effect there. It was the same between both conditions, pretty much whether or not they had been vulnerable or they had not been vulnerable. Okay, so it was just a wash. Yeah. Yeah, vulnerability didn't add anything in that case. But when the participants were the employee, the subordinate, looking at their leader, they were like 48% more likely to recommend that their boss, the leader, should get a raise if they were vulnerable. Really? Yeah. Okay. Which is congruous with, like, we always like a leader who kind of shows a little bit of uh, susceptibility and is open about their struggles. Okay, so that makes sense that we recommend it. But we don't see that same standard when it comes to when we're the leader looking at our employees. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Another question we asked, this got the same pattern. It wasn't quite as significant, but the likelihood that they would want this person to be promoted. And we see the same type of pattern that for leaders, we want them to be promoted when they are vulnerable, but we don't necessarily want uh, employees underneath us to be promoted when they are vulnerable. And so it's this thing like we want vulnerable leaders, but we're not willing to reward or promote people that are vulnerable beneath us. We don't want to see this vulnerability. And and for crying out loud, we aren't willing to reward this type of vulnerability. Yeah. We never, like, you don't see that. I mean, ever, really, right? So so the question is, why don't we see vulnerable leaders? It could be from first two studies that we've run, maybe we don't see very many vulnerable leaders because vulnerable people don't get promoted. Yeah. Yeah. I had that thought too when we did that first study. And I was like, well, the leaders, even if you're a leader, yeah, you have people under you, but you still have people over you. Mm. So you still feel like an underling. And so you still feel like, okay, I can't show weakness to them because then I won't get promoted to where I could be a more effective leader. So we kind of have almost like a little bit of hypocrisy yeah. mm-hmm. that comes into our logic saying like, oh, we like leaders this way. But when we turn around and we're the leader, we don't like promoting people who show weakness Yeah. when maybe that's what we should be doing. It's exactly what we should be doing. If a leader that displays weakness is a better leader and increases loyalty, those are the type of people that we should be promoting. Those are the type of people that should be leading the company. Because it may take a while to see the change come up into the leadership because it, you know, it has to start it from employees climbing up the dreaded corporate ladder, right? Yeah. yeah. But you will eventually get leaders who are more empathetic to their subordinates, to their employees. And they will see them as a team member and not just someone that they have to keep up this false appearance of superiority and perfection. Yeah. I think this is especially a 
problem with CEOs that report to board members. Yeah, exactly, because they still have someone technically above them. And board members are known to be ruthless with weakness when it comes to weakness. Uh, you know, if the leader displays weakness, then, oh, that's less funding that they have, and they may be kicked out in right. those cases. Uh, They're a liability. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so that's definitely a culture that we would want to promote within board members even, that we want to look for CEOs that do have these these attributes. And so then it goes to then it goes to people who select board members, you know? Like yeah. like it's their responsibility to look for people who are more likely to be open minded to people who show weakness. And not even necessarily weakness, but just showing that like you're you're human. You're yeah. like the rest of us. Right. It's like, oh, I too have everyday life problems, you know? Right. Like, oh, my mom is sick too. Or yeah, like I didn't sleep last night because my kids were up all night. Like it's leaders who are relatable, leaders right. who are willing to, you know, show their just like you. And I feel like too, like supervisors looking at their employees or, you know, even at any level looking down, it's like, oh, like you're having problems, how's that going to affect your job? Right. Like in business, you, you know, you see across the board, it's almost like we put the work and if things are getting done right and in the time frame we want ahead of like the needs of the actual people that we work with who right. are, you know, who are just as important. Yeah, and you're totally right. I like what you said. It's, it's not even necessarily weaknesses. It's not like we want someone who's like, oh, guys, I, I'm a struggling alcoholic or something. You know, yeah. like I have these big weaknesses, right? Yeah. It's more just like people who are like, hey, guess what? I'm not perfect. And we need to cultivate this acceptance of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be cool. Uh, what I want to look at in future studies is one, like Lauren, you mentioned uh, how female leaders feel like especially they need to be perfect. Right. So it would be really cool in, in the future studies to look at, okay, what if the leader is a female versus male? How does that impact the same effect, right? Right. Uh, another thing that I want to look at too is adding another condition. I, th I think we haven't looked at this, but I'm pretty sure this would be the case. The worst scenario would be that you do display weaknesses, but you aren't open about them. Everybody knows that you have this weakness and right. you just kind of hide. You try to hide it and try to ignore it. Well, like I kind of brought up, like, like you see that all the time. Like, and some people are successful in hiding it for a short time, yeah. but eventually it's exposed because it becomes such a big problem. So these big top leaders, you know, like alcoholism, for example, you know, like they seem infallible, you know, they seem, they seem mighty. They seem perfect. They've got their life all together. But then some scandal happens or something and they find out and things start crumbling to the ground. That's a that's way more of a liability than someone who who may not be the best public speaker or who struggles with certain things in certain areas, you know, yeah. but are strong in other areas. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm way excited to see where this study goes. And and we'll, and here again, it feels like we always say this with all our studies, but we're just in the beginning and we will keep you updated on where we go from here because this is really cool stuff. This is hugely impactful in the business world. We we have so much more to talk about, but we're going to stop it there for today. If you guys have any questions about the study, feel free to email us, info at shadoof.org. And if you have any like ideas or thoughts about this, like it'd be so cool to hear from you guys. Other than that, we will catch you next time here on the Shadoof Podcast. Shadoof is sponsored by UVU's Woodbury School of Business. We are present and active in various social media platforms and produce a variety of content. 
So consider giving us some likes, shares, follows on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and feel free to give us a review on Apple Podcasts.